This is John Deke continuing to celebrate the 25th year of the Very Young Composers, a program of the New York Philharmonic. The piece we're listening to is by Cashel Day Lewis, and it's called Freiheit. This is scene 24, Discoveries, Affiliates, and Adventures Abroad. The world is such a vast place, even while shrinking every minute. It is so easy to be in a locale and thinking, this is the center of the world. We New Yorkers are particularly prone to this little conceit. On the one hand, we routinely circle the globe within a day, even on commercial flights. On the other, however, we come across cultures so unlike ours that we are required to revamp our conceptions of human behavior radically. In 2004, Tom Cabanis left the Philharmonic for the Philadelphia Orchestra and then for the Weill Institute at Carnegie Hall. Tom was and is a seminal figure in music education, so it was a loss for us, but we gained Ted Whiprud, and I can't say how grateful I've been for his leadership of the New York Philharmonic Education Department for the next decade plus. Different management styles, but equally brilliant and always working with Ted was a joy and the very young composers expanded greatly during this time. As one can see from reading all these preceding chapters, the very young composers, or VYC, has always been my dream and my crazy brainchild and not something which grew up out of an organization within board meetings or committees although in great parts inspired by our Philharmonic giant Leonard Bernstein and countless others, its gestation and fruition has been guided, one might say provoked, by yours truly. I like to say that the VYC is my way of humbly giving back to the organization a small part of all the blessings that it has given to me. I could say that it is my gift to the Philharmonic, but that would not be quite accurate since a giver, once giving, generally relinquishes the gift outright as is proper. And I certainly did not give up the VYC by any means. I would put it more as if I were a pianist, getting up before a major recital and announcing, I am dedicating this entire recital to my dear teacher, Mrs. XYZ, without whom I never would have dot dot dot. In other words, the program, in a sense, would belong to Mrs. XYZ, and yet I'm the one who has to decide the program, the venue, and practice the actual music endlessly. The music, therefore, of necessity belongs to me, notwithstanding the gratitude owed to the teacher, the sponsor, the organization. And there are, of course, often legal entanglements with one's management, for instance, and so forth, but the basic product must be borne by the artist or creator. Uh, we can return to this topic later. My own composing continued. I was humbly learning so much from working with you kids directly that I carried over what I learned when dealing with adults. Remember our discussion back at scene six at the League of the American Orchestras where I was treating adults creatively as children and then taking that back treating children as adults. Huh. You know, 
is much more difficult to get adults to unstiffen themselves and to be creative than with kids. Well, a lot of people understand that. <laughs> but now, during the period of 2004 to 08, I spent most of my time honing the curriculum of the VYC and expanding its reach both geographically and vertically in terms of age group. It was true in my pure thought of the program at its inception that the VYC properly belonged to the pre-adolescent age group. In other words, that magical age before the hormones began to kick in and before the child was told they couldn't compose symphonic music without a doctorate from Harvard or Juilliard. But one event, or string of events, began to change my mind. From these six grade schools where we now operated, I would visit each school each year and enjoy the new class of kids starting out. Then, once in a while, I would encounter one of those kids in the hallway or on the sidewalk who had taken the class a year or two or three years previously, and I would routinely welcome them with a smile, ask how they were doing, and delicately ask, are you still composing or at least practicing music? And the answer would so often reluctantly be, well, no, not really. I enjoyed the class, but now it's kind of hard. Some would add, I wish I could take the class again. Aha, uh -huh. I see the problem. Yes, you can change a child's life with one class, even one concert experience. But for the most part, the excitement fades as so many other experiences and requirements intrude and confront the child, especially adolescents. There was no question in my mind that we owed more to these kids than the applause at one sweet school assembly concert or even a concert with the Philharmonic. If we were going to make a real change in the world, we had to do so much more. But what would that more be? I talked with Paula, David, Rick, Danny, Ted. How could we extend the grade school VYC classes? Could we have a continuing class for middle school students? Since we got them already motivated in grade school, could we help them bridge that difficult transition through adolescence? And Paula's eyes lit up. That's it, John. Let's call it the bridge. And so it was. I convinced Ted that it wouldn't be a big strain on the education budget, and Toya Lillard, director of the school partnership program, agreed to help oversee it. We asked the VYC grads for volunteers to start the class. I wanted to make it small at first, at about eight to ten students. They would get more attention, and I thought that a goal would be at the end of the semester they would be able to notate their own scores. We would only meet once every other week. Uh, yeah. Good luck with that one. There were so many things I wanted to cover with these first volunteer VYC kids. And even more. Questions that they had about music in general, about their music, how it would fit into their lives. It was hopeless to think that we could accomplish complete professional and notational independence as composers in eight or ten after-school classes and when I thought of my own life, how many twists and turns I took, how could I expect a handful of 12-year-old kids to make that transition as if they were as simple as a package of instant oatmeal? <laughs> a good number of them, for example, experienced a kind of creative paralysis. 
in the class. As they felt their bodies going through surprising changes, their minds confusingly on different planets almost. Is this true of all of you? Do all you guys experience that in adolescence? So, yeah, it was true. And yet, overall, we began to see how we could work with these perplexing changes and that the very perception of one's precariousness and strangeness in the world could, in fact, be useful in the free creation of music. And especially in a class where the kids can compare notes with their peers and not feel so hopelessly isolated with their scary new feelings. So you, the students, we have to hear it from you guys. Thanks primarily to the early leadership of Paola Prestini, David, Doc Wallace, and the bridge itself, it began to show its worth and indeed bring the whole VYC movement to a new level. After a couple of years of the first bridge classes, or composer's bridge, we began to sense a subtle but powerful phenomenon, a kind of zeitgeist, or a tendency to build off the spirit of the others in their class. Not a question of plagiarism at all, or even of a school of composition, for heaven's sake. They were all over the map in their crazy, wonderful styles and creations, but a wordless group feeling of power and adventure together. As with the regular VYC classes in the grade schools, the bridge middle school kids felt listened to enabled and a part of a team rather than the usual competition. We worked hard to bring in professional, even world-class musicians to workshop their pieces in class. They would all genuinely cheer their classmates, offer positive reactions, insights, and maybe suggestions, all without us telling them to do so. But still, the experience was inadequately provisioned. We badly needed more class times and more individual attention. It was in a general discussion as before, James Blatchley, together with Paula, Doc, Danny, and others, came up with the plan of hiring perhaps advanced high school students from LaGuardia High School or Juilliard Prep to take part of the two-hour class and work privately with two or three kids specifically on issues where they needed help. They could even go out onto the tiers of Philharmonic Hall where it was quiet and work on electric keyboards with headphones. It was brilliant. In succeeding years, we expanded the number of semester classes from 8 to 18. Later, at kids' requests, we added a second year, Bridge 2 which really went a long way toward making them able to actually produce a score themselves, something usually attained only by advanced college students. Another unexpected development was that the high school helpers, or mentors, were gradually being replaced by older conservatory students as the desirability of the job got known to be around. And then... After conservatory students, young professional composers began to apply. David, Paola, Danny, and the others who taught the bridge classes now found themselves to be the leader of a whole group of professionals or associate teaching artists who, as I say, worked with two or three of the kids each time for the second half of the two-hour class. They represented and conveyed such a high level of mentorship to their students that there was no logical way that they could not be paid for this work. 
So we'll return to this predicament and wonderful opportunity a bit later. Meanwhile, the power and potential of the program could not help but be spread to other locations. One of the very first of these affiliates was the Symphony of Westchester, directed by Barry Hoffman. Barry and I had worked together in the year 2000 on a commission for the great concertmaster of the New York Philharmonic, Glenn Dictoreau, who held that position for 36 record-breaking years. His wife, Karen Dreyfus, was an equally brilliant violist. I was to write a duo concerto for the two of them, which I based on a Grimm's tale. The piece was successful, and it goes without saying, played brilliantly by Glenn and Karen. After a rehearsal, Barry and I got to talking about music and education and children. You can guess what happened next. Barry got excited about the program, formed a partnership with a local music school settlement house called The Song Catchers, run by Sister Beth Dowd. And thanks to Barry, this became the basis of one of the longest-running VYC affiliates to this day, celebrating its 20th anniversary with us this year. The students, primarily Hispanic and kids of color, invariably came up with amazing music. I'll never forget one of the girls, Christine Figueroa, whose family came from Mexico and struggled long and hard to create her piece. I remember her being so dissatisfied with her music, almost losing her spirit. But eventually she got her theme down, dictated it exactly to me, and then developed it in the rest of the piece. The theme was tricky to write down. As she sang it, it wound up being in 4458 I really loved that theme. And then when an opportunity arose to redo the intermission tones at, at Philharmonic's Hall, calling the audience back from intermission, I chose that theme to be played. So every concert at the Hall from 2003 to today, as the Hall's being torn down for remodeling, if you came to a Philharmonic concert, you would hear Christine's theme, the other Two themes for the five-minute calls and the two-minute calls were written by Dijon James from PS165 and Sabrina Baum, who was 10 years old, from PS199. They got more performances of their works than any of us professional composers. <laughs> there were other affiliates sprouting up here and there, but in 2006 I had a chance to try a pilot class in Tokyo during a philharmonic tour there. I had five students from the Tenzan Elementary School who were interested in music. We had translators and infrastructure support, and I was able to get five philharmonic players to come and demonstrate instruments. Since I was so immersed in my love of traditional Japanese music and culture, I strove to include the Japanese instruments in the class, but found resistance since their culture at that point was almost unified in their admiration for Western culture and desiring to reject their own. I did not make a complete fuss about this, preferring to get the kids, especially girls once again, to be composing music according to their desires and aspirations. And that's what we did. The kids were shy, unsure of themselves, despite their musical training, extensive which uh, compared to U.S. children. But when the music finally did start coming out of them, I was intrigued to see that it was in fact different in style from what a child in America or Europe would be likely to write. Such a pleasure it was to bond with them. 
Doc Wallace and Rick Carrick also helped at this point. And I'm still, after all these years, in touch with at least one of those students. And the Japanese VYC connection went through quite a few amazing iterations over the years and down to the present, but more about that later. Perhaps the most clear international breakthrough occurred in 2008 during the Philharmonic's historical tour to mainland China and North and South Korea. Those experiences deserve a chapter by themselves. <laughs> 